to Genesis, actually. Genesis 1 to start with. Just want to look at a couple of things. God the... And I'm just going to insert a few words. Uh, what God is and God the... Maybe in more... Um, maybe language we use. Uh, just stuff I've been thinking about. I'll, sort of as I was going through this, I was writing what I thought God was. You know, God the helper, God the whatever. Ended up with about 30-odd different things that God is. Um, and obviously not doing that all tonight. Just picked a few out. But, uh, you know, God... We read in Romans 10, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So really tonight's just a simple encouraging talk that uh, we hear the word of God and what God is and God the what he is to us. So first one is God is, a, is God the project manager. He's actually a project manager as it turns out. So in Genesis 1, we won't read these scriptures, but we all know the story that God created the heaven and the earth. And... Um, I'm pretty sure Microsoft Project wasn't around when he when he was when he did that, but uh, there was a lot of multitasking that needed to happen. Um, we know that in the beginning there was a there had to be a certain order. Like for example, we just I don't know we you know verse nine and it says and God said let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place. So that got done. That got made. Uh, a little bit later on down the, the track, we read that he made the fishes. Now there was no point making the fish before the water. Like it had to happen in a certain order. So God had managed it. It was part of his project managing. So God managed and put together the foundation, the creation of this earth and all the things that we see and we hear. He planned it. He set it up to work as one. And uh, I'm going to quote a few scriptures. We'll read out a few in, in the Bible as well. But uh, just, uh, like I said, just an encouraging talk. Revelations 1, we read how he's the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. And so God was there at the beginning, he's there at the end, he's, he's set up, he's actually managed the whole thing. We heard a lot about Jesus's, um, or about the, the lead up to his crucifixion and, and being tried and all those things, God had, had a spot for him. We got, there's a little thing there saying project management, it's got all the little things that go off and God had set out a big plan from the beginning, from the creation, you know, all through the Old Testament and the prophets and then Jesus Christ coming on the scene and the start of the new church, all the way to us now, he's, he's managed that out. Um, actually, I should have got this turned to this one. Go to Psalms, rather, Psalms 139. There's going to be a bit of flicking, so just bear, keep, keep up. Psalm 139. I like this one, and you probably should have it highlighted. It's a good, it's a good little scripture. Psalms 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. So he knew us from the beginning. He had it set up. There was a plan. He actually had managed it. Verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. And uh, we're in an incredible position that on whatever day you receive the Holy Spirit, mine was the 11th of April, 1997. It was about 9 p.m. I was at Simon Rodriguez's house for a house meeting. It was a Friday night. I was praying with my dad and um, Pastor David Sharma, who was the area leader at the time and I received the Holy Spirit. That day was appointed by the Lord, and the Lord knew it. And that the Lord managed everything in my life and my parents' life and the lives of their parents all the way going back. So that day I could receive the Holy Spirit, just like whatever day you received the Holy Spirit. God had planned your life and all those around it for that moment to, to, to take place. So God is the project manager. We'll have a look at another thing. God is the designer. Sorry, go back to Genesis 1. So another thing that God is. Now, God is a designer, as we, as we know. Just to pick up one verse in Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man 
So this is general mankind that he created in the beginning. In his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And so God designed us, designed the people, he designed us to look like him by the sound of it. So God has arms, has hands, has legs. He talks about his hand and those sort of things. So God designed, God However it works, you know, we sit down, we sketch out little designs or if you're building a house, you'll draw out your plan of your house and you'll fiddle around with the rooms and all these sort of things. To, it's sort of like the beginning process before, you know, you go any further with, with things. And so God is a designer. Uh, Genesis 2, you go over there, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So he sort of became an industrial designer now. And breath, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So he forms Adam at that point. So God designed, has formed, we know, and we can look at all the creation about the amazing. I was going to go to, into a couple of things, but this talk ended up being a, a very, very big in the end. I have to cut wads out. But uh, you look at the creation and the design behind what God has created. And, um, you know, if we think of things that we can put together, you, you sort of look at little children and they play and they, they create, you know, they'll build a little castle, whatever they see, they sort of mimic. And, and, uh, and we can build things, but nothing compares to what God has put in place. You know, the earth that we see, the birds, how the bird flies, how it knows, you know, how to get its food, everything's programmed, everything has been designed by God. So it's an incredible thing that God has set up. Another thing that God is, he's into branding, so as it turns out, and and business image. So um, branding's pretty important and whether we like it or not we we a dose a lot of branding and it just becomes into it. so just going to flick a few images on the screen very simple but i want you to actually just say it out loud like don't have to scream just say normal voice what what that logo is actually branded to nike nice we all know that one adidas cool it's because world cups on so anyway um tumor very good Holden, Kookaburra, yep, that's a cricket bat. Sorry, it was, was a bit of a murmur on that one. Weren't quite sure. Commonwealth Bank, there we go. So as it turns out, we've all been conditioned pretty well with branding, and so God's into branding as it turns out. Um, won't turn to this one, but in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it talks about how they were called Christians for the first time in Antioch. And so we know and we understand that, you know, Christian is, is Christ anointed. And uh, anointed with what? Well, we've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit was given. It was talked about in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We all know the story in Acts 2. And we've, we're part of that branding that we've received the Holy Spirit. And part of our brand is we speak in other tongues. That's part of the branding. And so when we're out in our workplaces and we're doing whatever we are and we talk to people, the, the way people know that, you, well, the way we knew that was Commonwealth is that we understand that that symbol belongs to Commonwealth Bank. They can give you know get the business you want or whatever. They got their slogans to go with it. So we you draw the two together, and it's in in the same sort of sense. God sets it up the same that we are His branding that we've received the Holy Spirit. We speak in tongues. There's an image that goes along with being a Christian, and and the the signs, wonders, and miracles. I know. Um, Pastor Godfrey used to say, you know, if you go to a church and there's no signs and wonders and miracles, there's no God. And it's exactly the same thing. So people at your work know that you're a Christian because you've got signs, wonders and miracles in your life 
God is working in your life. So when they see you, see you the brand, you're, you're a Christian. So it's a, it's a big thing that, you know, that is in this world, but God set it up first. God's an artist, as it turns out. There's a lot of things that God has set up. Um, go to Job. We'll, we'll pull out these scriptures, actually. We've got to have a Job, maybe verse, uh, chapter 26, just to start with. Just pull out some one, one verse scriptures through here. Job verse 20, uh, sorry, Job chapter 26, this one verse in verse 7. Nope, that's wrong. Just hold on, have I got that right? Oh yeah, no, that's right. Job 26 verse 7, he stretches out uh, the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. And we know the prophecies in Job, how there was a lot of stuff that God revealed to Job, which mankind as a whole never knew about at that time. And so we got the earth there, as you can see, just hangs upon nothing. And um, and so God is an artist. God has set up some amazing things in His creation that are amazing to behold. If we go over to chapter thirty-eight, there's a couple of in here. We all know this one, the snowflake. In verse twenty-two, um, I think it is. Yep, hast thou entered in the tr- into the treasures of the snow? And uh, if we've been around in the fellowship long enough, we've heard and seen that a few times that. It's you know you've got the six sides and whichever way you cut it, it's it's exactly identical on both halves, um, and every snowflake is different. It's an incredible thought to actually think that, you know, we can't even sort of put a number to it in our mind about how many millions and billions of these things there would be, and that everyone can be different. Like how can you get to a point where you've run out of designs? But God doesn't. You know, God's designed it with everyone to be different, and every piece, as it's you know, as you can see, one there is a piece of art. It's incredible what God has done. Um, verse 34. Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee? You know, we just don't have that, but God has set it up that it rains. And that can be, that's, you know, can be beautiful to look at sometimes when you're in the mood and you're in a nice warm house generally by the fire and you look at the rain outside. It's, it's pretty comforting. This lady wouldn't be comforted being outside in there. But um, verse 35, we read, and we heard a bit about this from Pastor Laurie the other week, Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, here we are. And so we got this amazing show of lightning that God set up. Again, has been designed and and is amazing art that the Lord's done. Um, I was just thinking, uh, don't turn to this one, but in Genesis 2, he talks about how God rested on the seventh day. And you wonder if he was just sitting back on a chair at Karakalinga and just looking at a sunset going, you know, everything I did was good. Everything I made was was amazing. Um, so that's God the artist, the judge. Now, I oh, might as well turn, go to Acts 17. Pastor Phil actually read this exact verse out during communion today. So God's God's a judge. Um, don't turn to this one while you're going to Acts 17. But in, in Psalm 98, it talks about him judging with righteousness and equity which um, after what we heard today is obviously to- totally the opposite to, to the things that we, we read about. And uh, that's the God that we serve. But he set this day, and um, as Pastor Phil read in verse 13, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent, because he had appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, it's Jesus Christ, Whereof he hath given assurance, or he's got. There's a proof and the evidence unto all men in that he was raised, that he had raised him from the dead. So Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and God has given Christ as an appointed day of judgment. 
And uh, and so God is the judge, and and it's a final decision. Like I don't know if you've ever gone before a judge before, or if you have been with someone that has. Um, I've had an opportunity once to to be in a situation like that, and um, it's funny how intimidating it is. Like you don't realise the magnitude of those sort of situations till you're actually in a in a room when it's happening, and you realise that the the judge has the final call. That what he says is gonna is gonna be delivered, and that's what's gonna happen. And um, what you know, what's more final than the Lord judging? You know, you know, we read, um, we won't talk about, won't go to it, but in Revelations uh, 20 talks about the, the spirit filled. You know, blessed are they that you know part of the first resurrection that the second has no death. And when you read about the second and about you know those that are brought before God, you know, to see if their name is written in the book of life, and if it's not, you know, where they end up. Um, is incredible, and we and we know that there's there's it's it's one way or the other. In um in Luke, we read of the Lazarus and the rich man. You know the great gulf between them that uh, that, that that exists. So uh, another pastor Godfrey saying that I was just thinking about this morning. He was talking about. I remember he used to say it was it live once, die twice. If I got this right, die once, live twice. I think that's the way he sort of worded it. But basically, if we die to ourselves, we're actually going to live twice. We will live now, and we're going to live forever. And um, and praise the Lord for that. So God's a judge. God the judge. We'll keep things moving along. God the carer. Maybe go over to go to First Peter for this one. First Peter five. So there's I don't know. There's a lot of things that people that care in this in in our sort of society. We got the aged care worker. You could be a nurse. Could be a youth worker. Maybe you do respite work, rehabilitation. But in some form or another, they're a carer. And God's the carer, as it turns out. We'll read in um, verse 7 of First Peter 5. Just simple verse. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So God is actually a carer. God wants to look after your situation, wants to look after your life. Um, just quoting Second Corinthians, you know, Paul talks about when I'm weak, I am strong. And the reason is because when he's weak, he gives his, his his problem over to the Lord. He casts his care to him, and the Lord God becomes our carer. Um, as a church, as individuals and brothers and sisters, we read in First Thessalonians about supporting the weak, looking after one another, being a care to each other, um, and and it brings us through. Um, in verse ten of where we are at the moment, I like this part of it. But the God of all grace, who hath called us uh, unto His eternal glory. By Christ Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me. After that, you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And that's the miracle that God has: is He's the carer, and He will bring you through your situation that can be trying, like we read in Romans one, where it talks about um, when you have tribulation, it builds patience, which builds, is that right? Experience and hope. So you, you know you you got to go through it to get to the hope, and it's the same thing here. But we suffer for a while. But God, you know, makes us perfect. He, he establishes us through situations. He strengthens us. And the ultimate miracle is he settles us. He heals us. He takes care of the situation. He makes us okay about the situation we go through. So God is our carer and he gets us back on our feet, which is incredible. God the doctor. So we talk about, it talks about being a physician. Go to Exodus 15. But just God is a doctor. God's our doctor. I love this scripture. If you haven't got this one underlined, you needed this one underlined. Just the very last sentence here. So this is about the children of Israel. They've left Egypt. Uh, they were in a spot of water. They needed some water. 
and um, God provided. But I just want to pull this one verse out in verse 26, God being our doctor. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases upon thee which I've brought up upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And he is. He's the Lord that healeth. He's, he's our doctor. We know, you know, um, Mark 16, signs, wonders and miracles, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, if you drink any deadly thing, shall not hurt you. So God is our healer. God is our doctor. And I'm just going to read out a couple of things. But why I do that, <clears throat> if you could just think about the things that the Lord's healed you of, just in your mind at the moment, I'm just going to do a bit of a hands up. I just want to get just whatever the Lord has. Just, you know, one thing that the Lord's healed you of. Uh, I'll do a bit of a hands up in a second. But I just went through Matthew 8 and 9. So that's it. Just two chapters in the Bible about Jesus healing. So. I was I was going to do more, but then there was so much in these two. So these are just the two. Healing just in Matthew 8. So there was a leper that was cured. So he had leprosy and he was cured. There was a centurion uh, servant who was sick of the palsy, so paralyzed most likely, and they were healed and cured. Peter's mother-in-law was cured and healed from a fever, so we could relate to something like that. Chapter 9. There was another paralyzed man that was bedridden that Jesus healed. Uh, there was Jairus' daughter was raised up from the dead. There was another miracle, another another thing. Uh, and while that was happening, actually, so while that sort of miracle was being staged when he'd come to Jesus, there was that lady with the issue of blood, so he had some sort of uh, blood condition that went to Jesus, touched the hem of the garment, and she was healed. So that was sort of in the midst of, of, of uh, Jairus' uh, daughter being raised up. Um, and then there was um, the two blind men just after that were, were healed. It's incredible, isn't it? Two people that couldn't see were given sight. Isn't it, isn't it incredible? Uh, and just to finish off in the back end of chapter 9, there was the dumb. So someone that couldn't speak was given back their, their voice. God delivered them, you know, the dumb spoke. And uh, we read the, that incredible, you know, passage in Luke uh, Luke 4:18, when it talks about he came to preach deliverance and to heal the brokenhearted, and to set the captive free, you know, lame to walk. And that's what our, that's what Christ has done. So the Lord's done a lot for us. God is the, our doctor. And um, like I said, I'll just do a bit of a hands up. So if we can get a few going, that'd be good. Tony, heal to blindness. Sure. MS. Ear infection, depression, alcoholism, sorry, I've got a double one there. I'll come back. Yep. Rheumatoid arthritis, kidney stones, hay fever. Sorry? Eye accident, that's right. You had something cut your eye. Eyesight. I'll just agree. <laughs> Diabetes type 2. Keep going. Heroin addiction. Dermatitis. Internal bleeding. Keep them rolling. Yep, yeah, Ruth. Fear, was it? Praise the Lord. Going in for a third? Yeah, that's right. I'll go again. Bipolar. Another ear infection. What are other things? Keep going. Keep. 
Fear of death. Katina. Heart disease. Cancer, was it? Praise the Lord. Burns. Cirrhosis of the liver. Pancreatitis. Yeah, wow. Yep. Cigarette addiction. Any more? Yep. Gambling, was it? Oh, gangrene. Totally. <laughs> very, very different. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, gangrene, you might lose your hand, which puts the money in the pokies for the gambling. But anyway, that's maybe as close as they come. Um, but isn't that incredible? That's just a, like a little cross-section of a few things the Lord's done for us. So God is our doctor. God heals us and sets us free. There's, you know, there's literally hundreds of verses in the Bible that you can get through the New Testament of, of different healings and things that the Lord's done. So God the doctor. Keep moving along. Um, God's into conflict management, as it turns out. And so um, if you go to maybe oh, maybe Matthew 18, go to that one. There's a quite a few good ones. This one's a very practical one. So all I wanted to paint the picture tonight, I guess, like I said, it was a simple encouraging talk that God has the answer for everything. God is the whatever you need him to be. And so we have a lot of professions in our life that, you know, that, just as in general life, but God has those things covered for us. And conflict management is one of them. In Exodus 14, it's, uh, 14, it says, The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Is that the right one? Yeah, I think that's correct. Um, and there's a few you know, different ones. You know, the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. And so God's into conflict management. He's sort of like the mediator, the intervent, does the intervention, um, mediation, arbitration we use. Uh, so he's the person in between the two people sort of having the argument. Here's a very practical example that the Bible talks about in Matthew 18, verse 15, when we might have an issue. Sort of steps to resolving conflict. Matthew, did I get that right? Matthew 18, verse 15. Did I say that? Yep, beautiful. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Step one. Step two. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Step two. Step three. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee a heathen man and a publican. So, and there's quite a few other scriptures in the Bibles, but I just wanted a, an example that God is into conflict management. God actually wants to deal with situations, and God wants also sometimes for us not to fight the situation and for the, him to take care of it. Like I was saying before, the Lord shall fight for you, you shall hold your peace. Scriptures like that. Um, a little practical one um, that we had recently I shared with the house meeting. Um, so obviously, you know, we've got a little Evelyn, and so she's six months old in a couple of days. But about two, three weeks ago, probably three weeks ago, um, maybe four, three, four, somewhere around there, um, she was having a pretty troubled sleep, and she'd consistently and every night be screaming. And so we'd bring her, basically one night we're in the lounge room, and we are in a masonette, so we've got a shared wall, so we've got our home. And then um, next door, we know the people that are there, but the, we know the landlord that leases it out to these people. So it's two in the morning, she's screaming. We're trying to get her to be quiet, obviously, and, and we're trying to keep sane. And, um, and then all of a sudden, we hear knocking on the wall from like the, you know, the other lounge, which as it turns out, that house has been renovated and that lounge is now a bedroom. And so it's sort of lounge onto a bedroom. And um, usually you can't hear much, like they play music and stuff, and it's very, very muffled. But anyway, they got quite upset. 
we were very tired. Uh, my wife was very tired. It makes you very anxious to know that your neighbours are not happy. Um, anyway, that really sort of troubled Annie. And um, the next day, I was sort of just, we sort of talked about maybe just to leave it alone. And uh, a few days later, it was a Sunday. This was only seven in the morning, so it wasn't so early. Uh, same thing happened, and get a knock on the on the on the on the wall, and I was like, "Oh, I'll blow this!" So I would knock back. And um, anyway, they they didn't knock back. <laughs> uh, they didn't knock back that time, and uh, so that was that. Anyway, that that made Annie anxious, and she I was actually going to go and talk to them, but she didn't want me to do that. She wanted me to talk to the landlord, and uh, I didn't want to get him involved, and so nothing happened. And then one other night, same sort of thing. She's crying, and they knocked. So I knocked back, and then they knocked again. So it became tennis, and. Um, Anyway, so that didn't work, obviously. The next morning, um, and he's like, you have to talk to the landlord. Um, and I said, okay, look, we'll pray about it. And if it happens one more time, I'll ring him up and we'll get this sorted out. We'll work out something. So, anyway, we had some prayer about it. And that was a Tuesday, I'm pretty sure, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, that Sunday, we came to the meeting and I'd had a missed call from my, from the landlord. And uh, so that night, I listened to his voicemail and for three minutes, he was on the phone saying to me, um, "I've just I've heard about my heard about uh, my tenants, and I'm really sorry about their behaviour. And I just want to apologise that uh, they've been doing that. They shouldn't be doing that. You've got a young child. I'm just letting you know that they're only going to be in there two more months, and I'm going to they can move them on. And it was really funny because we'd never said anything. I don't know how quite he found out whether they complained to him or whatever it was, but the Lord sorted it out. It was incredible. And um, and so yeah, I had a three minute voicemail of him just apologising to me." saying, you know, that it shouldn't have happened. And so, you know, the Lord looks after our battles. He's, a, he's, he's into uh, mediation. There you go. And this is the last one. We'll just finish off here. God's a psychologist, as it turns out. Second uh, Timothy. Now, there's a lot of things that the Lord talks about the mind and, uh, I guess, protecting it, but I just want to read this one. We all know this one. It's, it's a good scripture. Second uh, Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. For God has given not us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And uh, it's incredible. That's the spirit of God has given us this sound mind. And in a world where where, it's, where people struggle hugely in, in this aspect, God has many things that can help us keep our mind um, at peace, keep our mind settled. And uh, I had a ton of scriptures, but we won't turn to them all, but... Uh, you know, sometimes it can be the very simple things. You know, in Luke 16, Jesus talked about how we can't serve two masters. There has to be one or the other. And uh, and obviously, in, in in a sense, that's because in the end, if we don't serve the Lord, we're going to end up perishing with the world. But also we read that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And sometimes when we get caught flicking between the two or we think we can do both or we don't even think that, we just, we're just part of both sometimes. We just get so enveloped in the things of the world and what the world thinks and, and what people's opinions are and, and all those sort of things. We can get really drown ourselves in there. But sometimes we can end up serving two masters. And in, in one sense, for our, for our mind, for our spiritual mind, it's no good. Because um, we know that scripture, it's also in, in Luke 16, it talks about a kingdom divided will fall. You know, that, that's, that's just the way it is. It will fall. Like there's no other option. If it's divided, it's going to go down. Um, in Hebrews 10, it talks about how not to cast away our confidence. So another thing the Lord sort of talks about our mind, that we, we can't throw away our confidence, so we need to have our confidence in the Lord. Uh, one that, uh, actually, we'll turn to this one. Go, sorry, we'll go to Isaiah 26. This is another one that's a, an underlining scripture. This is one that got us through many a harder 
battle for for my wife and I, and I, we had it on our wall for a, quite a while. Isaiah 26 verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is an everlasting strength. And so the Lord's, the, you know, God is the psychologist. He, God knows our mind. He knows what is going to be good for it. And he wants us to have, you know, perfect peace. He wants us to be settled. He wants us to have that, you know, and the way to do it is to keep our mind on him. Um, that, that's the way we're going to, you know, achieve it. Um, the other scripture that I quoted before, Second Chronicles, is, you know, the battle's not yours, but the Lord's. Sometimes we just need to give things over to the Lord and let the Lord deal with it rather than let our mind chase the answers. And sometimes we can, you know, we all have those situations where you're in bed and you fabricate the story. So the story, this is the real story. And then you add a couple of things, what, what could happen. And all of a sudden you're at this point, which is like totally different to what the original thing is sort of a what if, what if, what if, what if. And then you hear and you start believing this story when this is the actual fact over here. And God just wants us to let that go. And the battle's his. He, he will care, take care of it. Just concentrate on the here and now. He wants us really to concentrate on him. He'll take care of all those other things. And last slide, which is just to tidy it all up. I thought it was a Brilliant verse in Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And so whether God is the carer or God is the doctor or God is you know, the designer or the psychologist or whatever it is, all his words are pure and they're for us and they're there, they're freely there for us to look at, to build ourselves up, to shield our mind and, and to uh, really just to, to be more God-like. And all the people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. 